Hey everybody, welcome to the Bagna Broadcast, episode number 254. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the books that we are looking forward to coming out this Wednesday, April 1st. 2015. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this week we're bringing you the final culmination of the Bagnum Broadcast March Madness comic book creator craze. We picked our winners from the writers and the artists, and this week we're going to be telling you what books we actually want to see them on. Yeah, we got some good ones. We were talking about that this morning, right guys? Yeah. That's right. Together we were talking about it too, because if we sound different, it's because we're actually recording all together now. Not in studio in Buffalo. But here, in my apartment. Yeah, Studio uh, D. Studio D now. Yeah, Studio D. Yes. In Michigan. Uh, sadly, A and B are no longer uh, an option. Yep. We are all moved out. We have moved yep. the last box. Original Martin Road Studios is no more. No Cleaned more. out the fridge. Yes. <laughs> and For once. are moved out <laughs> of Studio B. Uh, B A and B, so uh, doesn't change anything though because we're still going to be bringing you the same quality segments that we do every week, Paul. Like what? Like the weekend geek and uh, all the keep other it things. Keep it going. Keep it going. But no, normally, what we do is uh, oh. do a lot of beer reviews first. That we do, and for the past couple of years, we've been bringing you the Ithaca Excelsior series. Every year for their anniversary, they put out a different beer. And today's kind of a special day because we have the past four beers four, four beers that we're going to be talking about. You've heard us talk about these as they were released before, and then you heard us talk about a couple of them at a time. But now we've got 14, 15, 16, and 17 all together. And hopefully we can drink a 16. Yes. I have not had a 16 yet because the last oh, time we did wow. this, the two 16s that we bought were both spoiled. Like, they just were, they were inf- awful. They were infected. They just wouldn't stop foaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those bottles were off. Uh, hopefully, this time, they're all on because I think we had one good bottle. You and I each had one, it. I think. Oh. So, two bottles between you two. Two bottles between us. Zero between this guy right but, here. But here's the thing. Two between us, zero for you. But we bought, like, six bottles of it, and none of them... Mm-hmm. Worked out besides those first two. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to having it again, and I'm hoping it turns out okay. But, Paul, what are we starting off with? We're just starting off with uh, one of my favorites. And this actually got me into uh, the black IPAs. This is the black IPA that said, oh, my gosh, black IPAs are amazing. This is Hoppy Black Ale Anniversary 14 uh, from Ithaca Brewery, as everything will be on this episode. And it uh, has Chin Hook and Cascade Hops. But it also has a caramel, so it gives you that rich, dark maltiness. Right now, does front. this actually have a bottled-on date on the bottle at all? I will. I was actually that was curious. A good question. Uh, before I put down the bottle, sorry, but, uh, no, it's okay. I do not see it, but you guys can vamp, vamp, vamp while I read. Oh, that's okay. Uh, still a drinkable beer. Uh, you get a lot more of the malts. There's not too much of the hops left at all in this. Um, no, it's but it's like you get that nice toastiness from like the toasted malts. Yeah, um, it's a good lingering malt though. It's caramely. You still get it on the tongue. It's, nice caramely kind of taste. Um, not a lot of bubbles, which no. with a four-year-old beer, I can't imagine there being many. But it's still really good, and 
I still like it. It might not be my go-to black IPA now like this once was. And if you listened to the show four years ago, you heard us talk about this all the time because it was one of those, hey, we found a bottle, crack it open, let's have it again type beers for us. But now it's just kind of, it's still good, but, ooh, excuse me, I burped a little bit. It's just not what it was at that time. And you can't fault it for being four years old at this point. And on the bottle, it says you can age them indefinitely. And uh, four years, maybe a bit too far. So if you have any of these resting in your cellars, drink them now because they're only going to get worse. I, I imagine this getting syrupy kind of soon because um, it's so there's no bubbles on it anymore. It's kind of like coats your tongue in a very weird way. And there's the hops I, at the okay. end, but... If those hops at the end go away, then it'd just be flat. I, I could see it getting gross. syrupy like next year, maybe. Yeah, but, it, but it's still pretty drinkable right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. I you do don't like all. it. <laughs> I uh, it's definitely enjoyable. Um, definitely different. But uh, some things that might be different and we might be enjoying may be popping up in the news. A hey, Paul. Hey, Jono. Yeah, uh, big news this week. Uh, what was it? I have no idea. Robotech? Oh, Robotech. I love that. That's It was an anime back in my youth, early or late 80s, early 90s. And we might be seeing a live-action movie coming maybe soon. By maybe soon, I mean like, there's rumors that there's going to be a live-action Robotech movie. I don't know. I always like giant robots fighting things, so... But these are giant robots that can be planes, half planes, half machine men, and then full machine men, <laughs> like robots. It, it it could work. I mean, Transformers proved that there mm. is an audience for this type of summer blockbuster. Robotech on its own, I don't think could sell anything, but like we were talking earlier, they streamline it a little bit, just make it cool, like kick-ass plane robots in outer space. It could be interesting. Yeah, but they're robots from they're robots battling giants from outer space. Remember? Oh, so it's kind of like Pacific Rim. They're robots fighting monsters from the sea. No, but they're not monsters. They're they're like Aliens humanoids. Yeah, they're and they're not from the sea. They're from space. They're from space. But from the it's sea. like that. I didn't say it is that. Oh, but they're not monsters. They're just humanoids, but they're giants in space. Yes. Can they breathe in space? No. So they're on, like, planets? No, they're in spaceships. The humanoids? Yes. And the robots are fighting the humanoids? Yes. Then the humanoids are the bad guys? Yes. Who's controlling the robots? Or are they just on their own? Humans. Okay. So humans are versus the humanoids. The humans are in these jets that can transform into robots. All right. So the jets are already robots. They want Energon. No. They they want to when be they transformed free and they not go, killed off. No. Do, at any point, do they turn into the rocks like the GoBots? No. Why not? Because that would be stupid. Because who wants to play with a rock? Uh, they those those are He Man guys. The, they had there was He Man. They were rocks, and then like oh, I'm a robot man. Genomes. No, they're He Man. No. I don't know. What I had one. About. But Robotech was a fun series. Never that's saw it. Macross is a huge thing people talk yeah, about, I, and that's basically the evolution of Robotech. And 
Robotech is one of those animes from the early 80s, early 90s, where they just get strung out, where it's like every season's like 30 episodes, so coming out with a live-action movie might be able to streamline the story and just give you a really cool visual effects, cool summertime blockbuster movie. Look forward to to a bracket near you. Yeah, maybe like in the next 2019. Five years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a movie you can look forward to probably a little bit sooner would be the new Deadpool movie starring Ryan Reynolds. And we got our first glance at the comic book costume for that. Uh, and you have uh, Ryan Reynolds laying out in his Deadpool costume. How do you know it's Ryan Reynolds? Because he tweeted the picture? Yeah, but it could be his I body double. Well, uh, well he's he... been very invested in this like character. Project for yeah. years. Like, since... Before even Wolverine came out, hmm. like he was bandied about as the person. I was like, oh, he's going to play Deadpool, going to play Deadpool. So even when the Deadpool video game came out, Ryan Reynolds did the voice. Oh, no, that was Nolan North. Never mind. Never mind. You were wrong there. I was wrong there. Nolan, I, no. I caught it. Hey, but we video can, game voice. He, he does just the guess of everybody. Nolan. <laughs> we can assume that Ryan Reynolds is in this costume laying in front of a fire laid out on a bearskin rug, and it is a Deadpool costume. You can't really screw it up. I mean, it- Well, you, they did in Wolverine. <laughs> but this is what you would want the Deadpool costume to look like, because it looks just like Deadpool. So it's one of those... like, It even stories- looks like he's kind of winking at you. It's like one of those stories little- that's not a story, because it's, it's the Deadpool costume. Are you saying it's dead on? It's dead on, and... Nothing against, you know, the people that made this costume, but I've seen this costume so much. At cosplay? In cosplay. Like, it's a nice quality version of that, but I've seen this costume in life so much that, yeah, you did you did what everyone else has done, but you amped it up a little bit. Like, you put him in front of a fireplace. Like, cool. And it's so Deadpool, you know, him laying out there. Like, splayed out there. Yeah. Uh, we also got the... Movie logo Deadpool, which is the oh, circle with the black and the eyes in it, which is just the Deadpool symbol. We also got that that's going to be for the movie. This is from Fox? Yes. Okay. Still from Fox. Still from Fox. But it's got a lot of people who have been fighting Fox for years to make this and kind of have the go-ahead to do it. Mm. I, just, I hope at this point now where they can see how much money the good comic book movies make Fox is or Sony is willing to be like alright well let's give a little bit to the uh, filmmakers have them make the movie how they want mm. to because they probably have a better idea of how this should go than we do you know who's uh, picking up lessons from those good comic book movies Ooh. Transformers that's right we're going to get it interconnected Transformers movie cinematic universe Called Robotech. No. <laughs> Gobots. No, called Ryan, Re- called Ryan Reynolds' body double in a costume. <laughs> no, uh, this has been reported that uh, it's the interconnected uh, cinematic universe nobody asked for and nobody wants, but we're going to get anyways. Uh, so look forward to spinoff movies from Transformers coming to you soon. And they'll probably end up on a bracket. It's just one of those things, like, we talked about this like a couple hours ago when we were at a mm-hmm. brewery. 
people go see the Transformers movies because they're Transformers. They don't go to see like the next Bumblebee story or Jazz, like standalone picture. Well, he was killed off in the first movie. But, but you go to see like is robots doing shit, and that's what sells Transformers. I don't know if someone's going to go see like one Transformer versus another Transformer. I really hope they have uh, a movie. Grimlock. Have the movie about like those the smaller Transformers, the they constructor were, like, bots. They were like the comedy relief, and they had like the dreadlocks, and they're like, "Hey man, you can't do that anymore." Oh. The guys that were really annoying. Give yeah, me a they, movie they were in those like the guys little... so we can end these Transformer movies. There's, mm-hmm. not, there's no end in sight for these though. People keep seeing them. I know they're like juggernauts. Just keep going. Mark Wahlberg couldn't stop them. Nobody. He can. he's basically responsible for there being more coming soon. Ugh. And speaking of coming soon, uh, everyone's looking forward to the Batman vs Superman movie, and we just got our first look of Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. A black and white picture. It's Jesse Eisenberg with a shaved head. Which, when anyone was trying to take pictures of him on set, he was always wearing some type of turban or hat so you couldn't see it so it's interesting they released it now what i thought was interesting was in the picture it looks like he's either wearing like a prison outfit or like an or kind of scrub it's just a loose like shirt t-shirt with another shirt underneath it it looks like it's i don't know if that's it looks t-shirts. like it's a like or like it should be either the orange jumpsuit thing or a pair of scrubs. I think they're playing off uh, him being the man who knocks kind of thing, where it's just him, just a black and white bald guy staring straight in the camera. Okay, it's, it doesn't look like a prison jumpsuit. It looks like him just wearing... A shirt. A shirt with like a white shirt underneath it. Yeah. I, I, it, yeah. I, I think you're... Tr- I think you're... I'm just saying that's hoping. what it looks like to me. Like, right. no, I don't care if he's in prison or not. I just saw that in the picture. Ah, mm. uh, Lexi agrees. Mm. So you guys are idiots. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Um, I think it's interesting that we're getting like our first glimpse at him now. Mm-hmm. The villain of the movie, after we've already seen like Aquaman, who is a character rumored to appear in it. Yeah, that we don't have the uh, interlay. Uh, uh, we still kind haven't of... gotten a really good picture of the bat suit. No. No, it, I don't it, want a really good. Looks, I never want to see Batman in this. I, I want Batman to be a shadowy figure constant throughout the movie. I think that picture that we got from Zack Snyder of Ben Affleck mm-hmm. in the suit in front of the Batmobile is probably the best you're going to get yeah. of it. And that's all I would that's ever want. Trailer. Yeah, that's all you need. I want Batman to be the dark figure or figure always looming in the background that might never be fully captured on on screen. I think that would be the best way to play it. it yeah, like, but it's Batman. Like you're not gonna get yeah. that. But that's what Batman the animated series was. Like he would show up hardly ever. It was always the villains, and then Batman would come in, clean up, and the cartoon. I'm still surprised we haven't gotten the uh, teaser that they showed last year at Comic Con, um, with him throwing on the bat signal and. Superman flowing, flo- flying with the glowing red eyes. Mm. Like we still haven't seen that. Like, you can find real, it online. Though. You can, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, but you still haven't gotten a real released one. But it's that was the Comic Con. Like they put out. We still haven't seen the Comic Con footage from Avengers: Age of Ultron because 
they put that out for Comic-Con. We haven't seen that Ant-Man footage because they put it out for Comic-Con. We haven't seen the World of Warcraft teaser trailer that they put together because that was for Comic-Con. Like, there's been no other images or anything from World of Warcraft. It's Mm -hmm. You had to be at that panel to see it. But the thing, They'll put out something eventually, but... The Avengers stuff we've seen now in the trailer. Like, basically, what was described, that was shown, was in the trailer. And we've been teased that we are going to be seeing those soon. And they keep saying, like, oh, you're going to get the trailer with this movie. And then, nope, you're not. Like, they've been doing that for months now. That, but that's not the studio coming up being like, oh, you're going to see it. That's... The scuttlebutt. That's just people being like, I bet it'll be out in this. And then someone mm-hmm. else is like, it's going to be out with this movie. No one, I'm they've, glad. They've never oh. come out and said like, no, we're going to get the trailer at this time. Until you see it in the theater or something else. They and But that's what they want. They want you to be clamoring in a fever pitch for it. They don't <laughs> want you to see it until they you, want you to you, see You it. actually pay for the movie. Mm-hmm. Much like they don't want us to read the comic books until we purchase them at the digital marketplace or Or in the comic book book store store. your local comic book shop your local your lcs but uh what date are new comic books coming out they're coming out uh april 1st no fooling no fooling no no talking about preacher Oh, there was more news. Yeah, there's, there's preacher news. Uh, yeah, we've uh, casting we've, news. We've gotten some more casting. We've gotten uh, anybody uh, I know. No, because you don't follow anything. Nope. So we we've had uh, Tulip cast, which is Ruth Nega. Ruth Nega, who played <laughs> Reina on Agents of Shield. Uh, she did. A, I thought she did a very good job in there. Yeah, really, I'm, really interesting the develops that she took. I don't. Want to say too much because Lexi's sitting here. She hasn't seen any of season two. Uh, yet. Okay. Whenever. <laughs> Whenever, lady. As soon as they leave me alone about it. Netflix, he can see it. Uh, and then the boat. Our space has been cast. Uh, Ian Coletta. But the most interesting that I found was Joseph Gilgun uh, as Cassidy, which he's not someone who I would have even put on my short list of actors to play Cassidy. But when he was cast, I went, oh, yeah, he'd be great as that. Yeah, you may know him from Misfits, and he played, what's his name, Rory? Rudy. Rudy. I would say Rory. Uh, but he was the crazy funny guy who had the duplicates that were running around who were also crazy. Uh, he was also in, I believe, uh, I think it's called Lockdown with, um, oh, I can't think of his name, Guy... Uh, Guy Ritchie. Guy Pierce. Not Guy Pierce. Yeah, Guy Pierce? I, I don't I Who's Guy from Memento? Yeah, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Uh, and he plays a crazy kind of criminal on that. Um, but no, I think he's definitely good casting. I've, I've been, I think uh, Ruth Nega as, uh, as Tulip is really good casting. I think she can play that innocent and kind of hard-boiled kind of character. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh, coming out on AMC at some point. Uh, I was a big fan of the comics. I didn't read them when they were coming out, but I have all the trades. I've reread them multiple times. And like we talked about yesterday as we were driving around going to breweries, uh, I really want to see who they're going to get to play, like, Star. Yeah, Star would be definitely a character I'd really want to see. Um, and uh, definitely the Saint of Killers. 
but the lead character preacher is also someone who is like, man, who could they be getting? And I think this is the one I was talking about this because we kept we just all watched Galavant together uh, as we were doing our beercation here, and um, Paul kept pointing out people from Downton Abbey. Yep, and I think one of the one of the leads from that is rumored to play. Jesse Custer. Oh, which, oh which, uh, Mr. Downton Abbey? Yeah, the That's Downton the, Abbey guy. The which one? Name? There's like, no, a bunch of them. His name's Downton Abbey. Yeah. No. His first that... name's Down- Downton, right? No. Mr. Abbey. Mr. No. It's not how it works. The name's Abbey. Downton Abbey. <laughs> no. Dun, dun, dun. That's not how it works. Nope. But I Wait, think... what, what, what character does he play on the show? One of the maids. Mm. The... No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't he's play probably, a maid. He's probably the one. He's guy. undercover. <laughs> he's probably the one guy. Tom he Nabby, had like uh, the hair. Uh huh. And was probably wear shirts sometimes. Yeah, and he was okay. in the show. Okay. Well, good. You guys have IMDb. You guys could yeah. could look it up. I've never watched. What the character show, Paul? is he playing? I don't want to ruin it. It's not. At least he's not cast yet. So oh, what? What's what is he rumored to play? The lead character. Which lead character? Jesse Custer. Oh. The preacher. Oh, it's the, the preacher. Lead, preacher. The lead character. Is he younger or older? He's younger. Okay. But older? How old? He's older, but there's youth to him. There's, uh... So, pro- mean, so it's probably not... the character. So it's probably not, you know, the, the Lord of Downton. Abbey? Well, no, because he... Lord Downton. Abbey? No. Paul, I said I haven't watched the show. I didn't want to know that Downton Abbey becomes a lord. Oh. But uh, from Gallivant, the lead pirate, probably not that guy. Probably too old to play Jesse Custard. Yes. So why would you even suggest that it would be him? Who? Exactly. No, Paul, we were talking about Downton. Yeah, Abbey. The guy that plays Downton. The lead character. Abbey. The lead guy. The normal one or the abnormal one? Well, I mean, Abby something or another. Really, Abby normal. Abby normal. The Queen's normal or not? Yeah. Comic books. Comic books. April first. April first. Paul, what are you looking forward to, buddy? I'm looking forward to uh, you know a zero issue. Zero issue. I enjoy those zero issues. They're going to kick off something major. Yeah, and this is the big crossover event that DC's been working towards. Uh, This is Convergence. Bringing back part of the old 52 and new 52 all together. And it is uh, hopefully giving me the DC Universe that I actually want to read. So, we'll I'm, see. I'm looking forward to Convergence just because of the stuff that's going to be happening. Uh, all those other crazy books that are coming out. That first week, there's like four books that I want to read. Like, hmm. tying into it. I don't even know which books that could tie in. That the, the first week is the stuff that's going to be like pre New Fifty Two. Ooh! So you're getting like the Flash Family book. Yeah. Um, you're getting the rest. Stephanie Brown Batgirl. Yeah, like it's with Nightwing. A bunch of some cool stuff. There's a cat in the studio, and I'm getting nervous. He's, he's helping he's, with the producing. Paul. He's, he's yeah. looking at the. He's he's messing with that board, so if anything goes wrong, it's not Paul, it's the cat. It's or the cat. it's just Paul still. Yeah, pretty much. 
but I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to Convergence. More so the books that spin out of it because it is those titles that are touching on those like moments in history that I want to check back in on. It's not the actual story itself, but whatever comes out of it, I'm excited for. As am I. Also excited for the conclusion of Batman Eternal. Uh, number 52 comes out this week. And if you've been keeping up with this year-long series, to finally get that f- f- ending to 51 really leaves you wanting a little bit more. And 52 will finish it off, Paul. Well, I, I a- haven't read it yet, so I don't want any spoilers. But I'm assuming... It was Downton Abbey the whole time. Oh, he was the He's guy. the man behind the scenes. He's Wait, putting the maids in positions this, of power around Gotham. But is this a, a denouement of the story where we got the climax and the final reveals and everything's kind of done in 51 and now you're getting the like the, like the little bit of fallout and the breath afterwards? Or is this the, is, got, is everything leading up you, to this? No, still? you've gotten the reveal and now it's going to be that last bit that last fight between your villain. Okay. Uh, hopefully, and it's not written by Bendis, so it won't be done in a story that, like, Alfred is telling, you know, Dick Grayson of what happened when he was gone. Mm. Mm. Well, then it turned out to be him, and then they started fighting. Yeah, that that is always a lazy way out, I think, is to uh, tell, not show things happening. Yeah. And, yeah, we've gotten that from... A lot of writers, not just Bendis, but Bendis especially over in uh, Secret Wars, where it's like the wrap-up's all done in past tense. Yeah. Horrible. But that takes me up, but at the same time, Marvel does it where it's like, oh, you need to read this book. You could have seen it happen. Mm. I don't know. Eternal's a little bit more self-contained uh, than that, though. No, I know. Yeah. Chris, what are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm Other actually, than the two books we've already picked. Because <laughs> well, you're very excited, we can tell already. I'm I'm looking forward to those, but I'm also looking forward to an annual from DC Comics. And this is Teen Titans Annual Number 1, written Ooh. by Will Pfeiffer. Art by Allison Borges, who... Who's just gorgeous on art? I don't... Maybe. Borges? Um, with his gorgeous art? I'm tickled by that. Yeah, I can tell. Uh, <laughs> b- but this is telling the tale of uh, Superboy joining back up with the Titans again. He's been absent for a while. He just popped up again a couple issues ago in Supergirl. Apparently they thought he was dead in the DC universe, but mm. hey, he's still alive. And now he's been brought back to Earth by Supergirl. Connell? Kara. Was he was no, he in no, the same but, class as her? Oh yeah. Connell. Connell, the Superboy, not some weird other kind No, of yeah, it's boy. it's the same like Connell the clone. He's been brought back. Hmm. Who the Crucible Academy was actually after him to like clone oh, so, again? Yeah, he's always the clone. Clone of, but a clone of a clone. Clone of a clone. Okay, but I don't know. I, I'm still enjoying Teen Titans. Uh, and that comes out every month, so yeah. Will Pfeiffer's really brought it back. For he, you, he's huh? brought it back. It's still not what it was back in like the uh, John's days. Yeah, the Jeff John's days. Already. Even like the Sean McKeever stuff, but like it's still good. I still mm-hmm. like it. I'll read it until I don't anymore. I like McKeever uh, mixing up the uh, roster. You know, you know he tried. Yeah, something new, bringing in villains, bringing in with the heroes. So it was a good effort, 
but just not the best. Well, talking about good efforts and not the best, I think that's going to take us into our next beer or a dramatic reading. Why don't we do our next beer, beer, and I will bring up the dramatic reading here. And we have the 15, which is a dark rye ale uh, from Ithaca Brewing Company. Yes, that's right. Uh, All of them are from Ithaca Brewing Company. Are they? Yes. Oh, interesting. Excelsior. Uh, this is... Three packs. I know. I'm the one who said we should bring these and drink them. Uh, so this is the Dark Royale. Uh, this was another one of our favorites. Um, something that I think we probably drank too many out of our cellar and then couldn't get any new ones. Um, I think this... Is this our last bottle of this, too? I believe so. I Again, I think that's okay. Is it... Mm-hmm. Three years too much? Yeah, I don't. I don't see this being too good anymore after this. Like it's lost a lot of like that nice malty that it had before. Like you still get that rye. You get a rye but, sweetness. Yeah, but not a super malty sweet. Not a rich dark <clears throat> sweet, but it's got like a honey sweet, which I'm really enjoying. But you can tell again, it's pretty much flat. It's kind of lost a little bit of its luster. It tastes like a. Poorly made rye ale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's, I mean, this beer was fan- absolutely fantastic when it first came out. And even the year after that, I think we've enjoyed it the last couple of years, a little time on it. What? I can't speak for the rest of the beers, but what I've learned so far is when you get that Ithaca Excelsior, two years. You sit on it, then you drink it. You don't wait any longer than that. Well, you enjoy it that first couple of years, too. But you save a bottle or two just to be like, you know what? That was a really good beer. Yeah. I'll enjoy it. And I'm glad I can enjoy it a little later. But a little later is two years max. Yeah. You don't sit on it longer than yeah. that. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it, it was always a good investment because it was always delicious. But holding on to that investment, you know... 14, two years ago, that bottle would have been amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wouldn't say shame on us because it's definitely an experimenting that we've been doing with these. But don't tell me that it ages indefinitely and then give me a crap beer four years later. Well, it ages indefinitely. It doesn't mean it gets better. (laughs) It does get older. It does get older. I guess so, yes. They they delivered on that promise. Mm -hmm. And another promise we deliver... Is our dramatic readings. And now, a dramatic reading of Infinite Crisis, number three. Page four, panel one. This wasn't supposed to happen. And that was a dramatic reading of Infinite Crisis, number three. Page four. Panel one. It's okay to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> After she finished reading that, Lexi just kind of like curled over in the corner and started laughing. Do you- it was a silent laugh because I didn't want to. I didn't want to ruin my serious tone. Ooh. Do, would you want to do a she's, take? She's two? a professional. She's a no, professional I, actor. I think I'm pretty, if, if you could I'm just read it, confident on my first try. I, I everyone knew that that was Batman. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah, knew it was a good Batman voice. And if. If you didn't, well, you probably haven't ever read a Batman book or seen a Batman movie. But if you want to check out that panel, you can do that over at bangboard.com on the show notes for episode 254. Oh, yeah. yeah. 234. 
I don't have the computer here in front of me to look at it. I'm pretty sure we're at 254 now. Yeah. Yeah. If not, then we'll just wreck on it. There we go. But we might be at 254. We might be at 234. But we know we're at the end of March, which can mean only one thing. A crater craze like none other that we've ever seen before. Because we included indie craters. Right, John? That's right. And this is something that I wanted brought to the table because these guys are amazing writers and should be uh, brought in there. And same thing with some of the artists are, are really great artists. So why not find a way to squeeze those guys in? And in doing so, we had a big upset with Brian K. Vaughn beating Sir Scott Snyder. For the first time ever, um, someone has unseated Scott Snyder. Uh, we included Brian K. Vaughn. As mm-hmm. one of our indie creators, and he went all the way unseating Scott Snyder, but also some of the other favorites of the Bang Boardcast, like Mark Wade, Kieran Jason Gillen, Aaron, Jason Aaron, um, and then G Willow Wilson, who seemed like it was going to be going pretty far throughout. But Brian K. Vaughn, one of those perennial favorite artists or writers of ours, that just was never included because he's not known now as a DC or Marvel writer. But boom, he crushed mm-hmm. it! Crushed it. And somebody who's a juggernaut for the last three years is the artist uh, Greg Capullo, who nobody can touch on the series uh, Batman. His art on that is just unstoppable. And every year we can't find a reason to have anyone beat him. We, we try. We try. We, we looked. We like Much like the writers, we also included indie artists this time. Uh, Raphael Albuquerque and the guy from... Uh, Raphael Albuquerque, a.k.a. the drawler of my nightmares. Yeah. He he gives my nightmares a... I thought that was Juan... Uh, oh, that Juan guy, Ferreira. too. Juan, Juan Ferreira. Juan Ferreira. Yes, also, just creepy McCreeperston on but, a piece of paper. But Greg Capullo also, not unseating, but surpassing another favorite, Chris Samney. Mm-hmm. Who made it up to like the final round? Well, and he they didn't go face to face, but but he's on the uh, end of the uh, Marvel bracket. Mm-hmm. Like he was the overall Marvel winner. No, no, yeah, he was. No, overall Marvel. Oh, Adrian Alfona. I'm sorry, Adrian Alfona yeah, was the bad. overall Marvel winner. It's been a week. Yeah, it has been a week. I thought you had your stuff in front of you. And it has been a weekend too. I don't, I don't have that part. It has been a weekend of drinking. Uh, just so over at the Marvel side, we have Brian K. Vaughn, Adrian Alfona, and then Scott Snyder and Greg, Greg Capullo. Capullo. Wow, these two people, you know, two or two uh, teams that have never worked with each other ever, ever before, right? Yeah. Normally, what we do is then, you know, at the end is like, oh, what is our dream book for each of these over at Marvel and over at DC? Now. It's happened before with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, where we've, I think we've t- teamed them up before. So it's now we're reaching back. We're going further, and we're, we're hopefully we don't do any repeats here. Well, so well, what, what we have is Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo writing a, and drawing a book over at Marvel. Or at DC, I'm sorry. And then at Marvel, we have Brian K. Vaughn mm-hmm. and Adrian Alfona, who have worked together before on Runaways. Mm-hmm. But then for the overall book, 
we have Brian K. Vaughn and Greg Capullo. So what we did is we take this into account and recreate the book that we want to see them each on. All right. So you guys have talked quite a bit about this in the morning. Uh, I, well, we t- we talked about it, but it was like a, uh, I don't know, like, uh, 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 well, and while I was in the shower getting ready for a day of drinking with my best friends, uh, I came up with, I think, the perfect book for Brian K. Vaughn, or for uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo to work on, and especially with what's happening with Convergence, where DC's trying to tighten up and, and come up with a really good mythology for the DC mystic side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already saw Scott Snyder work on the red and the green and also the black with uh, Swamp Thing. Now I want him to uh, journey into the House of Mysteries mm. a- and basically make that the nexus point for DC mystic characters and just just let him do whatever he wants to do within the mystic world. Like, let him write a Doctor Fate story that ties back in, like, to the House of Mystery. And just let him do, and it might not need to be a monthly book. Maybe it's just, quote-unquote, mini, you know, like, mini, mini series. Like, four, mini horror mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. Just let him run away with it and let Greg Capullo just draw that jeepers creepers heck out of it yeah i would i would want that to be a super creepy book mm-hmm. which is why i kind of put them in the same family because i have the two of them on detective chimp slash shadow pact mm. because they've they've already been telling awesome detective stories over on batman and i think that could be they're getting that foot in the door which would be detective chimp who's a talking monkey who's also a detective but which works alongside the shadow pact because i want to go back to i want to go back to the data capullo shadow pact really my choice too (laughs) we knew uh, well i said like we're gonna have crossover on this because Because i think we've done this three years in a row now with these this team because i i want to see like that day of vengeance team again right like enchantress like blue like blue devil Ragman, like I want them all to come back in one place. I miss that. Uh, I I do too because that book was so great. And then when they tried to do that miniseries was so great. But then when they tried to do the series, it just didn't have the same, you know, ferocity. It didn't have the same like the characters didn't feel the same. And these are two people who could one draw the shit out of Detective Chimp doing awesome things. And Blue Devil and all those characters, but the story, somebody taking those characters serious again and doing a story that matters and have those characters do something with the House of Mysteries. You know, Mm -hmm. like all of that stuff working together is going to be a great series. And how do you read my mind, sir? I don't don't know, because as soon as Paul started talking about it, I was like, well, that's what I I want from my book. Because I don't want this as like that, oh, it's ongoing. I want this mm-hmm. to be like four or five issues. It goes away for a couple months. Then they bring it back because I think that's what Day of Vengeance and Shadow Pact's big yeah. draw was. It was this team of mystics acting in whatever the big crossover event for DC was at that time. Yeah, one of my favorite moments from DC's like perennial work of 
Crisis on Infinite Earths is when they bring all the mystic characters together and they're like talking about like how they can't actually get involved in this at this point because there's just too much at stake. And if they tip the balance in the wrong way, there's the unforeseen outcomes. I want my the House of Mysteries book to be like, oh, this is setting up the big events. We're going to put the pieces together, set the groundwork, and then we have to step out because we can't t- tip the scales either way here. We can load the deck, we can stack the deck, but we can't deal. Yeah. Um, and when we were talking like this morning before recording and i was like i'm having a hard time what i want the snyder capullo book to be and then what i want the brian k vaughn capullo book to be and i was like i think i found a way to cheat the system it was because i wanted like a shadow packed book and then the detective chimp book but then i was like no i can just i can put that as one and have it work so you scamp. <laughs> uh, no, it's definitely something I I would love to see those characters back again. Uh, so, what character would you like over on the other side, more over at Marvel, BKV and Adrian Alfona? I want uh, BKV does great family books. He does great storytelling. He can have a lot of saga to something, but he oh. uh, he definitely can bring. You know, heart and soul to characters, and a character over at Marvel that I think has a lot of heart and soul, and doesn't always get its time to shine, even though he did, has just recently, is Spider Man, and I'd like a Brian K. Vaughn Spider Man with that fun art from Alfonso, Adrian Alfona. Alfona, thank you. Can never remember that guy's name. I can when I have it written down in front of me, <laughs> and I I don't have my notepad with me, hmm. um, but I think. The art is going to pop in that, and it's going to fit the story that he's telling. And that story is going to have some ups, some downs. But overall, Peter Parker is going to be – it's going to be excelling somehow for Peter Parker with Brian K. Vaughn handling that story. I that That's a book that I would read. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good story. I, I want to – with Brian K. Vaughn, and this is going to kind of bleed into my pick – I want to see a younger Spider-Man. I would want to see him do Mike Morales' Spider-Man, actually. Especially since he's more than likely coming over into the the Uh, regular... I I would be fine with that. Just because I think Brian K. Vaughn tells great coming-of-age stories. And Peter Parker, right now in the Marvel Universe, is a little older. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of past that point. He could still tell those stories with Mike Morales. And I Miles think, Morales. Sorry. And I think also he would give a Alfonso? nice... Alfonso? A nice... Alfonso? He'd put a nice spotlight on that character and give that character yeah. some gravitas. Something that says, like, hey, okay, I'm I'm here now. This is a great story. This is why I should be here. And yeah. I think... Well, Bendis, you know, writes it. So it's not like they don't have a big-name writer on Miles Morales... But no, bringing, being able to bring back Brian K. Vaughn into Marvel and do a Marvel book and it's Miles Morales, uh, yeah, you're right. It would lend gravitas to it. But I don't think you're ever going to. You know, I yeah. want it, oh, but yeah. you're not oh, you're, never, you're not getting that out of the clutches of Bendis. We're never going to get a shadow-packed book again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. 
Well, I'm going to get my House of Mystery book. I don't know <laughs> sure, what you guys are talking sure. about. It's just Paul. solid gold. Uh, you want to go, Paul? Yeah. Uh, what Marvel has done recently with uh, some of their X-Men characters is reintroduce them at a younger age. And I think, like I just said, Brian K. Vaughn tells great coming-of-age stories, great you know, young adults, maybe slackers like what we saw over at Why the Last Man, coming to, into his own. And I want to, and he writes great female characters. And if you were going to bring back uh, an X Men character like Jean Grey, you you want to bring a big name writer to do it. You would want to bring that gravitas, right, John? Yeah. And that's what I would want to see. I would want to see a Jean Grey written book by, or Jean Grey book written by Brian K. Vaughn. And I think Adrian Alfona can do, like he does over at uh, Miss Marvel. Do a really good young female protagonist character without overly sexualizing her and tell a really great story with a really powerful female character. Like, is Jean Grey is the female lead character of the Marvel Universe. And it's horrible that she's that way because she's always dead. Yeah. So bring her back and, like, put the spotlight back on her. And you're saying she's younger. Is this pre-X-Men? Is this in X-Men? Or is this her, like... This is the time riff X-Men that has happened recently. Okay, okay. So it's that she's she's an X-Men... That's displaced through time, just she's, like they have. Okay, and they, they the have young, Cyclops. Yeah, it's the younger one that's been brought to okay. the present day. All right, that's uh, that's just yeah. where I'm trying to figure out. Okay, because they have Cyclops, and what it is is Cyclo- the younger Cyclops hanging out with his dad over in the Star Jammers, like in current continuity. Um, sidebar: I I don't read Cyclops, but that was almost one of my picks. It was a uh, Star Jammers book oh. because because of what Brian Gavon's doing mm-hmm. over. At saga. saga, like it would just be a fun, like crazy pirate book mm-hmm. in space. So I'm like, okay, well, do that for Jean Grey, the young Jean Grey. That's like reading people's minds, and like, yeah, it's hard not to notice that Scott's attracted to me, and it's like kind of weird because I don't know what my feelings for him. Like, there's that great, you know, coming of age tension where everything's amplified because your emotions are just so raw because this is the first time you've ever felt any of those emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think that Brian Cavon has a great handle at that and has a great handle of people that might not live up to their full potential. And I think that's what X-Men's all about. It's like suddenly being thrust into, Oh, I have all these powers and maybe i Maybe I will never be able to live up to the full potential of using all those powers, and that's what the whole X Men school is about: is learning how to live up. Interesting. Interesting. Oh. I like that idea. Um, and kind of in that same like living up to your potential and being that guiding light. Um, I went with a book that Brian K. Vaughn's almost kind of written before. Hmm. Um, and I didn't realize I wanted this book until I had seen these characters appear in Runaways, written by Brian K. Vaughn. But it wasn't with art by Adrian Alfona, so I'm, I can kind of get away with this. Because as soon as I saw the two of them, like the Marvel matchup, I was like, I, I can get my Runaways again. Cool. But I decided to go with something that wasn't being put up currently. Uh, 
But I went with Cloak and Dagger. Ah, I, I believe this is not the first time you've picked them for this. Probably. I think you had Greg Capullo doing the art, though. Oh, that'd be cool, too. Or maybe Somni. I think for Somni, would have done it better. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I'll have to look to uh, last year's episode. Yeah. Um, but You Brian, love Cloak and Dagger. Brian K. But here's the thing. I like them when they're written by Brian K. Vaughn, because when they popped up in Runaways... Mm-hmm. Like when the book was first coming out, like it was within the first like year and a half, I never realized that I liked Cloak and Dagger until they popped up in Runaways, and they were that like elder statesman. Like, no, we're the original Runaways. Mm-hmm. We got it, hopped up on pharmaceuticals and became superheroes because we were out on the streets, and I I liked that. Not not you know kids on drugs that's bad, but just like what they were to those younger characters. Mm-hmm. That, like, no, you can be something more than what you think you're supposed to be. And it was a great, like, three-issue arc on that book. But it was a stand-in arc. It was actually uh, Takashi Miyazawa, who's on Miss Marvel right now, filling in for Adrian Alfona. There you go. So I think seeing Alfona, like, back with Brian K. Vaughn, handling these characters that kind of didn't have a chance to before but then bringing that youth and that heart that i love that he brings to his artwork to these characters that are all heart Mm -hmm. when they should just be like the dregs of the marvel universe like superhero bin that's something that i'd be looking forward to and you could also have power pack who was my secondary pick (laughs) For Brian Gave on and Adrian Alphona to show up as well. Yeah, see, I'm I'm all about trying to like get multiple things together now. You're like, and then Runaways can get a star. And oh man, Runaways can get a star. Idea. What a great oh, idea! You, sh- you should have had him, uh, Brian K. Vaughn doing a Madrix detective series. Oh, that oh good. yeah, that would Layla Miller. Mm-hmm. There it is. Layla Miller would have been great. Uh, but hopefully, our next beer will be great too. And while you're opening that, I'll vamp a little bit because I thought also a Bruce Banner kind of on the run trying to get a hold of his powers would be another great Brian K. Vaughn story. Oh, really? We said we wanted to open it up here. And we have another infected bottle of 16. They're all infected. Uh, so why don't we just go right into the 17, then? Honey uh, Stout sounds amazing. Why is that not amazing? Is it amazing? Tell me how it, it is. It was really good. We couldn't wait to have it again for the tr- for the show. I have never had it. And I don't know what made it... It is my... A, a good non-infected bottle of 16, of 16 is my beer unicorn. It's your beer unicorn. I know ex- it, it might not exist... I might never find it, but I will chase it down, hunting for it There's forever. There's still a couple bottles over at... Uh... Nope. Well, I got all the foam poured out of it, so if you want to try it just to see how it is... We did I mean, this. We, we did it last time, so... When it... And you keep on saying that, Paul, no, this isn't even close, and it just makes me feel bad about myself. And his glass oh. is half foam right now? And he poured it not like a jerk. It wasn't like it was his... It wasn't just a, a crappy pour. Mm-hmm. It's really foamy. It's just super foamy. Uh, 
I don't even want to bother bad. with it, Chris. I'm okay. Just, just, just give me a, just give me a little, ta- a little taste. Just, just yeah, straight from the bottle, a, just dude. Just take a tag from the bottle. We're all friends. <laughs> it's not like we haven't done this for the whole weekend. Yeah, I don't even want to. It's okay. It's yeah. just, it's just tart, yeasty. It's there's nothing, nothing to that. No flavor is just kind of blah. Uh, oh yeah, that's weird. Three years in the making and still not good. Yeah, just the fact that I had to part like half the bottle to get rid of the foam. Like I was, I was hoping it would be like one of those like, wow, we can finally drink it moments. It's not. I, I, <sighs> I mean, I don't even know if like we bought. Like I don't want to spend another. I mean, no, eight, it's money. They're nine dollars. It's not like horrible. No, nine dollars for a bomber. That you can't even drink is horrible. And I was just wondering, like, may, what if we chilled it? If like, because we're always drinking them at room temperature. Like, if we chilled it no. down, no excuse. But no, then, but it then shouldn't it matter. shouldn't. I mean, the flavors is going to be awful no matter what. Okay, well, we'll try the seventeen here in a second, and after we're done drain pouring this one, but oh, so disappointing. And what we have next is because. Uh, 15th, or no, 17th anniversary, I'm sorry. Doesn't look like a 17 on here. And this is a Wheat Double India Pale Ale. Okay. Uh, when we opened this one up, it was also very foamy, but it wasn't shooting over the top of the bottle like the 16. So I'm hoping this one's better. I haven't had it yet. Everyone else is, like, looking straight ahead quizzically. Yeah, it's, it's the wheat that's throwing me off here. Because I'm like, ooh, it's kind of got a... It's almost not. It's it's definitely an IPA kind of flavor, but with a s- almost sour tinge to it. It's definitely it's very Belgiany. It's a yeah. lot like those Belgian IPAs that you've been getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I mean, with the wheat, it this beer would be great on a hot summer day. Um, you know, with the sun shining down and it being really nice and cold, it probably is going to really pop. But the wheat with the IPA, it's it's still good, but it's not right for right now. Yeah, it's it's good. I don't mind it, but having this after having like the honey wheat mm-hmm. from Founders, I would rather have a honey wheat. The chamomile Kolsch from oh, Founders, or the chamomile Kolsch, yeah, like, somewhere, yeah. Those were great yeah. standout beers, yeah, and good. that's kind of what I expect from the Ithaca Excelsior series. And Damn. This one just doesn't deliver on it. Man, if somebody wanted to hear about us talking about those other beers, though, where should they look for that? Probably. Or our adventures over at Founders. Probably over at our Facebook? Maybe, yeah. Well, if you follow us over on Facebook, you'll see pictures from all day for beercation. Yeah. Or uh, over on our Instagram as well. There's all those pictures that we took. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we've spent going to brewery to brewery, and Paul and I are going to stop at Great Lakes uh, tomorrow. Jealous. And um, maybe melt, maybe melt. You, you stop it, stop yeah. it, melt. And uh, so also some talk about maybe going to Fatheads just because Ooh, they got yeah, a bunch maybe. of barrel aged beers on. Ooh, there. what barrel aged? Barrel aged. You, you know how much I love barrels. I know you enjoy barrels. Bend over to get into a barrel, <laughs> <laughs> and we're we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be putting do, up. Some... Do we want to do that? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think he just pitched it over there. I just wanted to make sure. That's that's 
the thing you guys wanted as the first <laughs> caption contest, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the first time ever, make sure you check out the show notes and over at the Facebook for the first ever begging board caption contest. Community caption contest because, you, you know, know me, I need a, like at least four to five <laughs> for uh, alliteration. But for a picture of Paul and John, we want your captions on this and we'll read the best ones on the uh, begging board cast next month. You have one full month to put in the best captions you can think of. Yep. At the end of the month, we'll uh, pull down that. We'll, we'll we'll read the best caption on air and also uh, put up the new one. Yeah. So at I, the end I, of the last last week of every month. I, I think this is something fun. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And we want, you know, that's all we want from our listeners is more involvement. We want to be involved with, we want, you know, this is a group of friends talking, so... More conversations, always great. Indeed. And hopefully our next book will be great as well. Oh, this one's tough, and I'm glad Chris is starting. Oh, okay. Well, I'm... And I'm glad I'm going last. <laughs> Get ready, John. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, because this is our overall winners. This is Brian K. Vaughn with Greg Capullo on art. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a really weird dance that Paul just did. I did, um, I was trying to do a silent evil laugh because I just made sure I, opening, that I went last. I'm opening up my notes. I don't even need them. Um, because I, from Brian K. Vaughn, he can do those crazy outlandish stories mm-hmm. that he can just draw from anything. It can be dark. It can still be fun. It works. And we saw that. In the Hood. That was one of the first books that we picked up from Brian Kavon. We were like, wow, wow, this this is great. And then you have Greg Capullo on art who loves delving into the deep, the crazy, the black metalness of comic books. Batman, it can get scary and icky when it needs to. But this is a guy who's also worked on Spawn. Fucking fire and chains everywhere. So when you put the two of them together, you get that street-level crime book, Fire and Chains. Uh, it's going to be Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's going to be Ghost Rider. I want to see them on Ghost Rider. Mm. I, I enjoyed the new Ghost Rider that we got within mm. the past year, but I think if anyone can keep this book, well, not going because it was already canceled, but coming back... If they had said, like, all new number one or issue number 15 by Brian Gavon, Greg Capullo, that's going to shoot that book up to the up to the top 20 at least. Mm-hmm. And I think it would just be awesome, too, because, man, The Hood, great. Well, Definitely. well also remember what, uh, oh, man, I had his name and then it dropped out. Writer on a Swamp Thing, or uh, artist on Swamp Thing. When he was working with Scott Snyder. Um, oh, you're oh, Yannick, Yannick Paquette. Paquette. Yannick yeah. Paquette. He said, look, some characters, you put on amazing superstars, writers, artists. You do you put all the money to them, but they're going to be number seven. They're, they're, you're going to get them into the top ten, but they're not going to be the number one comic book on the shelf, no matter what. And Swamp Thing's one of those characters. It's So, Ghost Rider, you put... It's going to be a great book. It might get you to number 10, but I don't think it would ever be be number one. But number 10 for Ghost Rider is higher than it would ever have been before. But you would expect it, if you get a year of it, be happy you got a year of it. Like I I was with Swamp Thing. 
I don't think we're looking for like, oh, it's this is going to yeah. be the end all be all number one greatest book, but it's going to be that book that, aside from Batman, mm-hmm. like what other top ten books are we buying? We're not. We're getting mm-hmm. those more. We're getting great stories and we're paying for them, and that's what we're looking for is a great story. But the Haw- reason Hawkeye, I'm s- n- not a top ten book, but you mm-hmm. know what? We're champing at the bit for that final issue every. Three, four months, whenever it comes out. I'm just saying, like, half the reason that Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo were able to go three, what, four years deep on this great Batman run is because it's Batman. You know, it's it's not like they're doing a great Batman story. Because that, yeah, but Scott Snyder is also doing a great Swamp Thing story, but he could only get it to go for. You know, two years you know, because that's as long as they're willing. I think any publisher. Well, that's willing because to Brian K. Vaughn wasn't writing it. We've already decided that Brian K. Vaughn's a better writer than Scott Snyder. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Two episodes ago, Paul. Yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't need to be like the best-selling book ever, but I mm-hmm. think you're going to get a run on that title. That's like, oh, that was cool. Like the Hood's a character I don't care about, but I can look back on that first miniseries and be like, yeah, that was. That was great. And Craig Capullo, he sells it. Like, having him go back to, like, a darker book, like, more mm-hmm. supernatural, like he did with Spawn, where he made his name on that book. That would be like going home again with a twist. With a twist. But, with John, twist. you have to go next because... Paul wants to go last. Paul, Paul yeah. said he's going last. Because I need time to ferment. <laughs> Uh, and this is a character you mentioned, and I am looking forward to a book written by Brian K. Vaughn, art by Greg Capullo. Stargirl! I don't know what Paul said before. <laughs> uh, called Fate. And this is going to follow Hector Hall as Dr. Fate, focusing on the helmet Naboo and its passage through all the different fates who have come before him. And have come after him. And two characters that are going to be tied to Hector's fate oh! are going to be his parents, Carter Hall, and his and his wife, uh, Shia? What's her name? Shah? You mean Hawk Woman? Uh, Hawk yeah, Girl? Hawk Girl. They're his parents. Shara. Shara. And I, I was trying to like look okay. at it on it's the It's going to be... It's going to be a crazy, over-the-top, with tones of darkness, with crazy cosmic crazy magic, uh, crazy pharaohs, crazy Egyptian shit with Hawkman, Hawkgirl, and their son, an older, older-than-them Dr. Fate, trying to solve the puzzles of this helmet, Naboo, and the powers. And there's going to be crazy magic and lots of dark elements to mm. have Greg Polo do the art on. I'd I'd like to see him on more supernatural stuff. <laughs> and I like that you kind of went that same route. Because Brian K. Vaughn, he's a writer that you could put on like anything. And he's going to make you care about those characters or the story. Greg Polo is going to sell it, though. And... Want him on something a little bit darker? He, he's not the guy you're going to put on 
Supergirl or Teen Titans. Teen Titans. Like, not that like, hey, we're young heroes, we're hip, we're cool. He's gonna be that shit's dark book. Yeah, muted you, colors. You, you want to walk out of that book and be like, oh, that was creepy. That's gonna that image is gonna haunt me mm-hmm. for like the next year. It's gonna be one of the Bang Board's favorite like books. That's what I look for in a comic book. I assume everyone else does, Paul. Don't make that face. <laughs> I'm not going to make that face. It's fine. Uh, I'm going to cheat a little. Brian K. Vaughn did write this character, and I mentioned him. Swamp Thing. With Greg Polo on art, though. Oh. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn says this is one of his... Uh, one of the things that he uh, treasures most about coming into the comic book industry is like, uh, yeah, worry about your writing... When you're writing a book that Alan Moore just came off of, and now you're just suddenly trying to write, yeah, <laughs> like suddenly you're you're thrown into it into the deep end. Sorry, swamp water theme, <laughs> uh, and struggle What's to get deeper, out. Though a swamp or a lagoon? Ooh, uh, well, oh man, does a can a swamp be salt water? This is a bad swamp. Board swamp is joke. probably uh, is not salt water. Swamp is fresh, fresh water. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't drink it. I wouldn't drink it either. It's got drink, algae. I wouldn't drink either one. Nope. But anyways, but Swamp Thing, uh, Brian K. Vaughn did do a run on. And I have to say, like, Vertigo. His, his his Swamp Thing, though, doesn't focus with... Um, really? Yeah, it's not on Al Collin at all. No, it's, more it's about yeah. uh, Constantine daughter. also was heavy in his run. Yeah, and it was just a miniseries, too. Mm-hmm. Well, it was... I think it became a miniseries because they decided to just end Swamp Thing. I I actually have like six issues of it in my boxes because I bought it after I got into like Why the Last Man and I was like, oh, you wrote Swamp Thing? Oh, this is the guy that wrote The Hood? Well, he buy these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I picked ne- up. I, I never the, read them, but I have it. I picked up the first one. It gets really weird because like Swamp Thing is just like a big mountain in it. Mm-hmm. I want him to focus in on. Swamp Thing, like they've done in the, I think one of the best things that the new DCU has done, and that was, you know, two of our favorite writers from the new Fifty Two, Scott Snyder and Jeff Jeff Lemire, doing it, was focus again on, heck, on uh, uh, Holland, heck, Alec Holland, Alec Holland, not Hector. Man, you just said you think about Hawkman again. Yeah, so I'm getting John's confused. books in your mind. You, you're yeah, buying that. Oh, that's your pick. Oh, oh. Yep, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but I'm gonna. That's what I would want to see. I would want to because Greg Capullo could, like we oh, all yeah. said, if could if you're not gonna have out. Yannick Paquette doing your Swamp mm-hmm. Thing, but Greg Capullo is the next yeah. best option. And I know that I probably will only. And this is why I was saying it to Chris. I'm only going to get it for maybe a year, year and a half, mm-hmm. maybe two years if I'm lucky, because that's a lot of money to spend on talent would for you- a book. Okay. The, even well, then, it's he's not. It's not going to crack. Would you more top this five as a comic or like a, a original graphic novel? I would pick it up. It's an original graphic novel okay. it, more it than likely. For like, yeah, for the book itself. Mm-hmm. I think all of our stuff. Like I'd rather see it. Like you had said, like a mini series, mm-hmm. and then come back to me with another mini series when you got another great idea for them. Yeah. And that would be the best for any of these stories. And sometimes any story. Like, the problems I have with Justice League is 
those issues when they're not fighting that big character and it's just like, oh, we're fighting the shadow guy. You and would it slows the- down so much. And those are characters that don't have the JSA mm-hmm. heart and soul where I don't mind having like the pancake breakfasts well, with that's the what JSA. I was about to ask you. That stuff works because those aren't the big superheroes. They're just Yeah, but you really like the issue where it's Vixen and Red Arrow buried. The, and the only person that's ever been able to do that... Brad Metzler. Brad Metzler. Because any other time, it just doesn't fit. Even with Jeff Johns' run on the JS, the Justice League, okay, uh, which started with the New 52, that first arc is really good. The second arc slows down because they're not... It's all these great, the big superheroes, but they're not fighting... Yeah. A big character, and it's like Steve Trevor trying to be like, no, we're got to get the Justice League governments, yo. And it's like, that's not what I want them. I want them all to be just constantly fighting big superheroes or supervillains. Or just that small, like, character-driven issue. Mm-hmm. Very small, though. It has to be yeah. one character or two characters. Character. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, if you like our focus, we really appreciate your focus in on rating and reviewing us over at iTunes. You know, everybody should write us and review us over at iTunes. There is no excuse, especially if you're on an iPhone. You should definitely rate us and review us over there because those are the best things ever. I see what you did there, Paul. (laughs) Uh, Also, coming up is going to be... Our next movie bracket buster. We don't have official title for it. That what, happens. That, that happens at the that show. That happens at show. Uh, but we are going to have those brackets. I think I have it right here. Is what on this? What is this called? A, a cuff? A cuff? Yeah, I probably have one on the cuff. I'll have to pull it off. Yes. During so. the show. Sure. Uh, but, but next week we'll be doing uh, our look back. But look forward to that bracket being put up where you can fill in and email them to us or put them up on our Facebook. And if you are the winner of whoever sends them in, you will then be on next year's episode, just like Texas Wingnut is going to hopefully be on this year's. Yeah, so stay tuned for that because we will be in touch with you because the summons goes out. You need to answer the call. Uh, how you win is, of course, we pick 16 of what we think are going to be the top movies of the summer. And then we go over to boxofficemojo.com and check out who has the best opening weekend. And then after that, the next round is the f- best full week and so on and so forth. So you fill out your bracket as who do you think is going to get the most domestic box office money. And it's more the movies that fit to yeah our... Our kind of niche, yeah. nerd niche. Yes. Yeah. Well, I wanted to yeah. let them know. Like, yeah. What, no. It's yeah. We're looking for big bucks. Yeah. You want you want to earn the money. You know, what the bracket actually? You know how they compete these movies. Yeah. Not like the creator craze where it's just us being <laughs> like favorites. Yep. Yeah. Nope. We like this book more. Well, here's the thing: it's favorites, but if you can sell it to everyone else, yeah, you, you could edge them out. Mm-hmm. But next week we'll be doing our monthly look back, and then the week after that. We're going to be doing uh, Paul's trade and policy, which is Wonder Woman. Yeah. Blood? Yeah, Wonder Woman Volume 1, Blood. And make sure you follow our Amazon link 
Uh, I see what you did there. Thank you. Pick that up, and uh, the Bang Boardcast will get a small portion of uh, what you spend there, and that will help keep us going. Just a taste. Just, just a taste. We just don't even know what you buy on Amazon. No, just, not at all. We just want a taste of that money. We want a taste of that sweet, sweet money. 